with almost as many panel members as matches to talk about this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome to episode 200 and, uh, it was 209, isn't it? Possibly, yeah. This happens every if week. You yeah. <laughs> if you say that, I'll believe you, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to episode 209, I think. Pod. Um, we think. Just confirming that now. You may laugh, but I think 209 episodes is a hell of a lot of finesse, Ooh. so that probably explains it's it. It's all my counting ability. My Indeed. My to, to add one to a number that I uh, mm-hmm. said last week. Yes, it is 209. Wonderful. There we go. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, and the other voice that you've already heard belongs to English Dam. Hello and welcome to I'm, episode 209. We are also joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello, welcome. Fran Aldaya. Hi, nice to be here. Aldasha. Sorry, I'm really not sure why I said that the Spanish way. Um, and a special guest, and recently uh, former now, uh, intern with The Bubble, um, who's been visiting Buenos Aires for the last few weeks. Welcome, Rob Crisp. Hello. Welcome down the pod, Rob. Thank you. Um, we are sponsored, not by The Bubble, but by the Argentina Independent. There are five... Oh, you told me off for mentioning The Bubble. The other <laughs> I know I did, but there it is. They're employing me from next month, so I can... Uh, can ah, oh, right. It's allowed. Um, and possibly you as well, that you've, you've still got to be uh, offered the position, as it were. Anyway. How these journalists sell themselves out. The Argentina, the Argentina Independent are a wonderful publication as well, um, and they provide a fine source of English language, uh, news and current affairs, but also photographical essays and historical pieces and uh, cultural... Uh, bits and bobs as well fascinating website and you can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com they cover not just Argentina but the rest of Latin America as well so you should definitely check them out um, there have been a few matches since we last recorded so I'm going to do what I always do and read out the results we can't quite remember what date we recorded last week but I think it was Wednesday I reckon it was Wednesday I think it was Wednesday I had a, for some reason I thought that this first match had happened before we recorded last week but it can't have done because it was last Thursday mm-hmm. um, and it was Tigre 1 Colón de Santa Fe 4 which uh, obviously is a result that everybody saw coming um, then on well, if you look at the recent form of Colón they've won about 6 in a row right yeah, not by, scoring, not, not by scoring four goals, though. No, they've won a few by three goals, two goals, I reckon. You reckon? Yeah. Let's have a look. Anyway, uh, after that, on Friday, uh, Gimnasia La Plata 5, San Martín 1, Unión de Santa Fe 1, Aldo Civi 2. And then there was a break, of course, because on uh, Sunday we had the elections. So the next match was on Monday, and that was Quilmes 0, Olimpo 1. Which means that after that fantastic run of form, Kilmes mm-hmm. aren't going to be in the continental competitions next year. Um, and Lanús beat Newell's Old Boys 2-1 in a very entertaining match on Monday night. On Tuesday, the final Sudamericana um, semi-final got played, and that was Banfield 1, Argentinos Juniors 0. So that's the Sudamericana matches, um, which means that we have now a series of finals, which I'm pretty sure they're all two-legged, aren't they? There are four finals, yeah. basically, so the winners of these ties will go into the uh, Copa Sudamericana next year and they are Colón against oh no hang on actually before I do that I've got to read out the Libertadores results as well mm-hmm. haven't I because uh, the two of those teams have gone into these finals so the Libertadores uh, semi-final results were Independiente 4 Belgrano de Córdoba 1 and Racing Club 2 Estudiantes de la Plata 1 which means that in the Libertadores um, playoff final or the Libertadores qualification playoff final more correctly because the Libertadores actually have a playoff stage and this isn't it um, we have an Independiente versus Racing double header mm. when is the first one? Sunday. the first one is this Sunday six fifteen. quarter past six in the evening as Rob says and the in second the stadium that isn't finished and then the other weekend in the stadium that is finished we can tell we have a Racing fan present and Peter I'm just being objective like, you know. uh, was unfortunately unable to make it today uh, so we can't uh, continue this unfortunate he this went out fantastic banter <laughs> um, 
And now the Sudamericana fixtures are refusing to load for me. Come on. Here we are again. Right, so the Sudamericana finals then. Remember that Estudiantes and Belgrano are the losers of the two um, Libertadores semi-finals go into the, one of the finals of the Sudamericana final. So, Sudamericana finals are first legs are Colón versus Belgrano, which is um, on Saturday at 5pm. That's going to be today by the time the first of you listen to this. Olimpo against Estudiantes at 6pm, also today. Um, Lanús against Ignacio La Plata at quarter past eight today. And on Sunday at half past nine, because there's always got to be a half past nine match on mm-hmm. Sunday. Aldo Civi against Banfield. Sorry, that's, that's the one ray of light that I can uh, see. I, I know that we have uh, one, one Macri supporter here, but for the rest of us, I think that the, the one main ray of light that we can cling to is the hope that that 9.30 match might go away, at least, now that uh, presumably he's not going to be quite so eager to uh, outdo Lanata in the ratings. Fingers crossed. Well, since Lanata's, <laughs> n- since Lanata's not going to be on anymore. I'm not saying that nothing else good can possibly come of it, but uh, if one good thing comes of it, in my opinion, it will be mm? the yeah. of that 9.30 game. But yeah, Lanata's not going to be carrying on on Sunday. So but you're going to watch that match? That one. The, yeah. the one that's this Sunday. CV. I might do. <laughs> it's the first leg, this is the thing. So it's not like anything's actually going to be decided no, no. anyway, is it? So, I mean, I might or I might not. So, number one, if you were going to put it on to fight for ratings, I don't think I would have picked out of Sibi. They have I mean, 20 fans between them. Considering Independiente Racing is being played on the same day, although I can yeah. understand why they're shied away from putting that one Indeed. on at 9.30 should we, uh, should we cover quickly the uh, the playoff for the promotion? If you want to try and explain it to us, we can. I was hoping Gustavo would be here today, but he's it was, been unable to make it. All I want to say is that Ferro, unfortunately, my second team, yeah. lost 2-0 at home to Santa Marina. Yeah, that was quite... Um, it was a match that I was tempted to go to until yeah. Rob and I saw the non-members' ticket prices, and then we decided not to, because it's walking distance from here, obviously. They were very um, high. And then when I saw the result, I was quite glad that we decided not to go. But so the final is going to be played by Santa Marina and Patronato, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, they, they, they they but that's that's a one-off match. It's not too legged, I think. Mm-hmm. So the second promoted team... It, it is too legged, in fact. It is too legged. According to Universal Football, at least. It's the first, so the first leg of that is at half eight on Sunday. And then the second leg is the following Saturday. So we will have a new team in the Primera División. Joining, uh, we said this last week, didn't we? Atlético Tucumán. And we should at some so point Frank, have an... You were, did you listen to last week's episode? It's okay to say that. No, I didn't. Because Dan and I had a rather embarrassing time trying to work out how the bloody old promotion works from the third divisions. The, the Federal A and the Primera B. No, Do you I have any idea what that is? Federal That's what I was hoping and to, uh, to shed some light on today. Primera B, there was scandal. We still don't know who's going to be going up. Tell us about it. Well, in the quarterfinal, Almagro beat Atlanta. I believe that was a game that was happening just as we were finishing recording on Wednesday. Ah, yes, that was the one that was just kicking off. And that um, set up a semi-final between Almagro and Estudiante de Buenos Aires, who are big rivals in Caseros, Trede Febrero, which is kind of a department just outside um, the, the capital. And I believe Almagro were winning 3 0 uh, with 3 twen- 1 with 20 minutes left. There was a pitch invasion um, by Estudiantes fans and it got abandoned. And the AFA, in their great wisdom, have decided no, they have to play those remaining 20 minutes, even though it was Estudiantes fans who invaded. That's an unusual stance for the AFA to take, given that yeah. the losing teams' fans were the ones who caused the trouble. No, it's absolutely... I mean, more than anything, it sets a pretty dangerous precedent. So do you know when those are going to be replayed? I have not the, the slightest idea. The page I'm looking at says our micro finalista, but it's obviously not official, so they might very well be mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, Perhaps they've gone back on it, but the first resolution was that those 20 minutes had to be played. Well, one team um, that we do know are going to be in the finals of the Primera B playoff are Deportivo Moron. Mm. So, you know, their fans are famously... Calm and, and never cause any trouble, so that'll be nice. They've got the chicken, um, the chicken who goes up on the paravalanches, the, yeah. the crush barriers, who They're, gave uh, the Bronde Adrogain coach a brilliant hug the other day. It was uh, one of the he, most he, touching he got, moments he got. Don Ramon. He went up to him as, um, as Bron Silver promotion mm. and gave him a massive bear hug, chicken hug, right on the side of the pitch. <laughs> so it was possibly the most. Friends, um, clearly. The mascot. It was, no, I think it was just a moment of respect. 
between football. But this guy, look him up there. The Deportivo Morón mascot is a big chicken who, as well as going on the pitch, then goes up on the crash barriers with the hinchada and starts <laughs> and starts supporting. His, in his chicken costume. In his chicken That's costume, fantastic. yeah. He's quite um, quite a personality, and he gave Vigo a hug that that spoke a thousand words, I think, for you know fraternal fraternal love in in the Metropolitana, which is a fairly fairly tense division, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Moron, unfortunately, were uh, the the victors in a match against Defensores uh, de Belgrano, who were well, unfortunately, because Defensores de Belgrano are a hundred pod approved team, of course, because they're not the chicken. He's like, no, no, they don't. And in fact, Moron are the um, the only team, the only Argentine side apart from River, of whom I own a shirt. Um, and they had the brilliant Universidad de Moron. Yes. Precisely, yeah. um, which is where my ex-girlfriend went, hence why I own a Deportivo Moroncha. Um, and uh, yeah, so having almost won the Primera Bay Championship on the last weekend, because Defensor has only finished two points behind Brown Leo Adrogué, mm-hmm. um, they now aren't going up at all. That's the playoffs, isn't it? So the final would be Moron and Amagro, I think, yeah. if... They give the points to Almagro or they play out the last 20 minutes, possibly. This says Almagro will be more on in the first leg. It's kicking off on Saturday at half five. Perhaps they went back on it, so which hopefully is ping a victory for, for sense. I, I will now uh, open up the private browsing window I've opened in my computer so that I can read the Olay website without um, getting a, a paywall or non-paywall. Just please log in, please, please, please. We want friends message um, and see whether we can find anything on that. We should have done this before, shouldn't we? But apparently, no. It says on the, on the reporting end that they're not going to be played. Ah, there we go. Yeah, they, they obviously decided to go back on it again. Um, Excellent. That was well. That's a that's a victory for good sense. So we've got to watch out for Magro against the Chicken on Saturday. It's going to be a game to watch. It is. If you watch one game this weekend, look out for the Chicken. The Chicken. Hasn't already Brandon got the the promotion last time against Magro? On the yes. On no no no. Uh, that mean? Ah, uh, that that mean was. Yeah. Oh. Sure. I believe. Nisha Almine, who got mentioned in our um, email thread this yes. week, because who was it? Was just signed for them. Lautaro Formica. Not Mauro Formica. Not Mauro. <laughs> but Lautaro has been kicking around the the lower divisions for ages. He was in Tacheres before, um, which was the same well, level. And before mm. that, Godi Cruz, right? Yeah. And the other uh, big name, as we also identified in our email thread, to have signed for a lower division club recently is Pablo Migliore, the mm-hmm. goalkeeper um, who you may be able to remember from such uh, murder cases as that Ladosse one a few years ago that we talked about in some depth at the time, um, who has signed for his boyhood club, yes. Midland. Not no. Midland, no, that's Almirante Brun. Almirante Brun, thank you. <laughs> Um, I was just testing, honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so congratulations, Mr. Migliori. On, well, I suppose I'm feeling brave enough to come back to Argentina for starters, and also on signing for the club he's always wanted to play for. Isn't that sweet? I'm saying, I'm just wondering how many tattoos has Migliori got of different hinchadas, different barras. Because <laughs> um, he's definitely got one of Boca. He's probably got one of Racing because he was very popular with the Racing Barra and Almirante. I'm sure as a kid he probably ran with him. Yeah. So, I don't know if he's Long enough for Peñarol, but they wear the same colours as Almirante, so maybe just you know scribble out the the Almirante name and put Mancha for a while. Yeah, we don't know. We'll have to we'll have to look into. I can Google it now. <laughs> don't worry. No, no, no. Um, let's keep it. Let's keep it flying. So what should we now? Oh, let's let's have a look at Colón's recent form. Just to uh, oh, the last four matches were three one, three one, two one. So that 4-1 team yeah, So yeah they, they have, yeah, they've had good starts. Oh, it was because they had that spell of five games without a win immediately preceding those games. Yes. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, we could talk about the Libertadores one since the Sudamericana playoffs are just too many to really care about. Indeed. Uh, but one other match that has happened since, uh, which we can review, and unfortunately Andres and I don't really want to, but uh, we should talk about it, um, was the second leg of Huracan against River Plate. In fact, that match is why we're recording on a Friday this week. Um, because I'm on holiday next week so there isn't going to be a hand upon mm-hmm. so uh, it made more sense to review the Sudamericana semi-finals um, in which Huracan extended their 1-0 lead from the first leg very early on before I managed to get home and get the television on in fact 
um, to take a 2-0 aggregate lead, and then they took a 3-0 aggregate lead after a rather... I, I heard that the first goal was after an error by Barrobero, but the second one certainly was as well. Um, and then, uh, because it's Huracan, um, uh, River came back into it in the second half. River woke up, Rodrigo Mora scored twice, the first one was a bluter. Um, and it ended up 3-2 on aggregate to Huracan. So congratulations Huracan, first of all, on their first ever Continental Cup final. It was death by Juan Chope in the end. Avila made, yeah. made all the difference. He was the guy who, who basically ran into to Barovero. I thought my first glance, even you know, as a complete neutral in the in the subject, was that a different ref could have could have called a foul there. I'm not saying it was a foul, but by, it was by who? By Barovero or by uh, by uh, Avila? Because I'm still not charging any of the first goal at all. No, I think what saved him was that Barovero made contact and kind of followed through into Avila. But we've seen you know plenty of those kind of situations where they are on on the side of the goalkeeper yeah. so I was kind of waiting for the whistle to go at that at that point but then Toranza picked it up and knocks it in and yeah and then the second was beautiful from Juan Chope what a guy mm. what a guy and he basically just the whole flick yeah. over an onrushing man and then headed in and, then he, and he basically just tortured Maidana for the whole game he just got his body in really really made a nuisance mm. of himself like, I don't know if I'm sure Luis, Suarez, Luis Suarez would have been watching one choppy last night and kind of working out, right, I've got to get physical with my dana, I've got to put my body in and all that. Yeah. But yeah. Just, you know, taking tips from one choppy. But isn't one choppy similar? To Luis Suarez, yeah, physical, yeah. No, not Suarez, uh, Gignac, the one who my dana was uh, uh, cancelled, uh, marking him brilliantly. Mm. Uh, I think I think with Avila, I think Avila's on a different level. I, 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 I mean, he blows, he blows incredibly hot and incredibly cold. He'll have some matches where he looks like a mix of uh, Emil Heskey and some other striker who can't finish mm. the toffee. And then he'll have a match where he looks like a mix of Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Luis Suarez rolled into one. Um, and there doesn't seem to be any way of predicting what's going to happen. I mean, predicting Huracan's Ur- matches for Mystic Sam throughout mm. this year was an absolute nightmare because it's entirely down to which Avila's <laughs> going to turn up. I mean, you know, like... Avila always has chances. He always gets, you know, fashions chances for himself. The big question is if, is if he finishes, yeah, yeah. He can, he can cock him up or he can finish perfectly. But the point is he always makes the chances. He'll always have two or three chances to score every single match. Mm. Sometimes he won't get any and sometimes he'll score all three. But he's so a very, very difficult striker to play against. The question then, because I want to cover, you know, Orakan's glory um, because they do deserve it it's mm. as we say their first continental final um, first of all let, let, let's let's cover that first is who are going to start the Copa Sudamericana final as favourites the first leg by the way is in Parque Patricios next Wednesday and the second leg is the Wednesday after that in Bogotá against Santa Independiente Santa Fe um, who went through on away goals after a 1-1 draw in the first leg and a 0-0 draw on Wednesday night in Bogotá against Sportivo Luqueño um Ralph Hanna's local team in Paraguay, so unlucky Ralph. Um, who's going to be favourites? I would have thought Santa Fe. But yeah, you'd have to make Santa Fe the favourites. I mean, they're coming from the semi-finals. They saw off Independiente. They saw off, I can't remember who else in this run, but... Uh, Closing at home as well, you, you'd think they have more experience in the, at the continental yeah, level. Yeah, as well. So. And altitude in Bogota as well. Mm. With no no goals in this case because it's the final, uh, so I think it's slightly slightly favorites. Not 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 the the favorites you say yes Barcelona for example against River right now because they are <laughs> who would be the favorite in that pretty favorite, <laughs> but uh, they are I think it, because of the experience they yeah you are no, seeing here. Uh, Santa Fe's run to the final has been um, an away goal win over Emelec. In the round of 16, uh, this is from the round of 16 onwards because I can't be, the, the other bits don't show up in the tree, so I, I can't be bothered to look them up. Um, a 2 1 aggregate win over Independiente, a, as we say, a, a, an away goal win over Sportivo Luqueño in the semi final, whereas Huracan have seen off Sport Recife 4 1 on aggregate in the round of 16, Defensor Sporting 1 0 in on aggregate in a. I thought actually that the, the two matches of that tie um, were a little bit better than 1-0 suggests mm. but still possibly overall the least entertaining tie that I've seen in this year's <laughs> Sudamericana 
Um, and then obviously the three two win over River Plate. And they well, just I think the, there it shows perfectly the inconsistency of Huracan. They steamrolled Recifim, you know, which is a big Brazilian club up in the north, a bit, you know, uh, humid, humid temperature, not an easy place to go to. They turn them over, and then Defensor Sporting, who aren't, you know, a tiny Uruguayan club, they suffered and probably should have lost that one. And then against River. They were deserved winners. Well, the defence had a decent campaign in the Libertadores last year as well. Well, they've, yeah. been, they've been hitting up uh, continental competition for yeah. for this, a decade now. Yeah, I, but I don't know if that's to do with their strengths or the weaknesses of Europe, Uruguayan football. It's a bit yeah. of both, <laughs> but I think you yeah. can say safely say that Huracan have had stiffer competition than, than Santa Fe. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking that Santa Fe have, have had a slightly better... I, suppose I was probably thinking about the, the Levadores as well, you know, that experience. Yeah, defensive spotting and Sportivo Luqueño had a very, very good home record up until that first leg against Santa Fe. Mm. Um, but I mean, River in the semis, it's time to say it now. Again, as they have since they won the Libertadores, didn't they? Like they were trying for the first three quarters of the, of the tie anyway. And then at half time no. of the second leg, they seemed to wake up. But we were discussing before we recorded, I, I missed. Um, the first few minutes of, of last night's match, as I've already mentioned, so I didn't sort of see the lineups tweeted and all the rest of it. Um, but the surprise that one or two of you uh, felt when you saw, in fact, Dan mentioned that he thought that the television had made a mistake with the formation. Uh, so you guys who actually saw the pre-match stuff, why don't you take us through it? Yeah, it was a crazy experiment by Gashardo. I think you River guys would know a bit better, but the first time, to my knowledge, that he's used uh, three defenders at the back. Um, which is odd considering that um, Huracan only played with one striker. It's completely against all all good Bielcita thinking. You never have two more centre backs than than strikers. You know, if the if the if the opposition have one striker, you put two central central defenders. Yeah. If they have two, you put three. Otherwise, never the benefit three central defenders against one striker. That means you've got one man yeah. fewer. I mean, Marcelo knows yeah. what he's talking about, and Gallardo, who has you know some Bielcista aspects of his coaching. But that's not but just a Bielcista thing. That's just you know many many managers would say that's just common sense. Yeah, but if, it's, if you've got an extra, yeah, so kind of put it in you know enshrined it in yeah. in our common knowledge. So you know. After such a flagrant breach of, of that doctrine, I think he got everything he deserved. And more so putting Milton Casco, who's a very average left back on, on the right wing. I think there was kind of an admission of defeat even before I started. Yes, and, and apart from, from the, the names, uh, you mean Casco as, as a right midfielder when he, he's always playing like a left back, mm-hmm. which is, means not only the, the, the other side, but the the, the, the position which is not midfielder clearly and and looked like more like a test than that the, than a decisive match for for a lead for Gallardo who in some uh, aspect he might might have been relieved because of not uh, continuing not not, not going uh, to the final because of the short time they will have a, yeah. a it's not ideal it's not good but uh, remembering the the the, the Suruga Bank uh, mm. match. Uh, that after that match they had to came here again and, and continue playing with no rest uh, was just awful and, and uh, of course if you say well River has to win everything well yeah it's okay it's it's true but you said that Andres and it's it's got some validity to it you know obviously the World Club Cups uh, the big bubble for River they're going to do everything but at this point you know if we take this this thinking which is somewhat true. You've given up 15 games of the league season and now an entire cup. Just I mean, for, the league season, which when those 15 games began... They, they were still competitive. They had a very realistic chance. So, can we really say that now? I mean, fine, yeah, you gave up 15 games, you, lo- you won only 5 out of 15, it's fine, whatever, but now... Mm. I don't, think, I don't think you can say, I think you yeah, can, we you lost can. the cup to not play that extra two games in the final. It's, Gashardo it's, may not, know, it's not good enough. Gashardo may know that players are not uh, playing the way they, they used to. They are not uh, with the performance they should yeah. have. I think it's a team that's peaked and it's not good. You know, it's, it's just it's, not as good as that, it was. It's also, as we've, met, we've mentioned many times here, that if you reach the, the final of the Copa Libertadores, you have to do 
a hell of a lot more travelling in a much shorter space of time than you do for you know the same number of matches as an entire season-long Champions League campaign yeah. in Europe. Um, so it takes a lot out of the players, and, and that's evidently a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a reason that, as we mentioned before, and as I particularly have mentioned before, I wish that the Copa Libertadores and, and the Sudamericana were made into year-round competitions and that no clubs were allowed to play in both of them in the same mm-hmm. year or same season, whichever way around you do it. Um, but I think it's more for River, it's something that's happened all year. Like yeah. You take all of 2015, what, they played yeah, 60 yeah, they, games, they, whatever. They seem to have been exhausted. But no, but even from the start of the year, the very first game, how many good games mm-hmm. have River played this year? The final, the second leg of the final against Tigres because the and first the leg was leg of awful, the, and the second leg of the quarter against Cruzeiro. If you away. think yeah. about it, from two, a, a, two, 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 you know, a couple in the league as well. In fairness, but if I mean, you think about it, yeah. from a so you're saying four or five game good performances in a whole year. Yeah, you think um, about it from a, from a rational point of view. I think it's it's fairly obvious. That you could say the same thing about San Lorenzo the year before. It's a team that that's won everything, the Sudamericana and the Libertadores. The year before that, they'd won the league. And they have this uh, finish line in sight, which is the Club World Cup. Mm. In between, they've lost key players because as much as, as controversial as Teo Gutierrez was, he, you know, he was not a leader, but he... he well, <laughs> no, no, sorry, I'm not, he certainly wasn't a leader. But uh, carry on with the point. Cause I think he gave, he injected that um, that uh, adrenaline to, mm-hmm. to River. He uh, as maybe he didn't score as many goals as he could have, but he gave that uh, world class uh, feel to the team. He's a guy that likes to win and do anything to win. You know, yeah. he gets angry, he gets himself sent off at times. He's an idiot, but yeah. he's someone who. You know, it's got that kind of head that he's just sees the target of, and goes for morale. I think the team was just lost this year because mm-hmm. they, they've only been thinking about the Club World Cup, and you can understand it. It's it's yeah. it's so, very human what happened to River. Yeah, and to, after Daniel Funes Mori left as well, it, that was the end. Well, yeah, it didn't help. Nah. To an extent, then, if we agree, which I think we more or less do. Are we going to do a recording um, before the Club World Cup or are you on holiday still? We'll do a recording before River, uh, before River's first match in the Club World Cup. I think the day I get back is, is the day that the competition itself starts. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly when the first round there is. Obviously River coming in the service. Um, River, the, the other <laughs> thing that, that I think happens when you, when you start to sort of say, okay, right, now it's about and I think San Lorenzo did it much more deliberately last year than River had this year. I think River have definitely done it, but I think it's been, in River's case, accidental. More it, passive. It's, it's been a result. Exactly, yeah, yeah. passive is a good word. Um, it, it, is that you lose your momentum. So mm. San Lorenzo last year, when they basically sort of said, OK, now we just don't want to get anybody injured at mm. all for the Club World Cup. And from the moment they won the Libertadores, they barely put out a full-strength team mm. until they reached Morocco. Um, and they didn't River have Sudamericana, they didn't Exactly, have, yeah. yeah. Whereas River obviously went for the Sudamericana up to the semis, at least. They were looking to, very much wanting to, to defend it. Um, you know, you kind of wonder if they'd managed to win the first leg, or at least go in mm. level, would they have uh, thrown it in, in quite such silly? You know, with Gachado taking the same risk with his selection last night. But one thing that it does is you lose momentum. Like, you know, I, I can see preserving the fitness of the players and everything else, but they've forgotten how to win now as well yeah. okay they were knackered and that was why they started um, they, they initially were, got knocked out of their stride but when, when you can't remember how to win anymore how on earth are they going to take on Barcelona mm. what plays in River's favour in, in that case is that they'll have the semi-final which is a game they've got to get through the semi-final they've got to get through the semi-final they like they did in the first three quarters no, of the semi-final no. in the Sudamericana they're not, not going to yeah, win yeah. the semi but at least it gives you 90 minutes for the you know granted if you have to win, but if you get through it, then you've got that time under your belt, and mm-hmm. and you know more or less who's playing well, and so that Who that ninety minutes is going to be is going to be key. The potential rivals, Oakland City or the Japanese champions, or, 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 Mazembe. or Mazembe as well, or the Congolese. So there's one Congolese. missing then. Why three? Uh, because the. Two of them play in the first round, yeah. and then they go into the quarterfinal against. Oh, yes, it's going to be Auckland against. No, no Auckland against the Japanese champions, and then, then they go into the quarterfinal. The winner against, against Masembe, yeah. and then the Japanese champion will be. Atiti Masembe, obviously. Hiroshima Sanfrecce or uh, Gansou Evergrande and Gamba Osaka, I think. 
And tip if you him tell me, I believe you. Yeah. Tip him as only at the club who knocked No, him. not the Asian champions, the Japanese Inter. champions, yeah. I think. 2010 so. or 11. Yeah. Yeah, in at that Inter. Yes. Um, good Inter team. So, dangerous. Yeah, it's not easy at all, but it'll, it'll do really good. I think yeah. it suits them better than going cold into that into that Barca game, because Barca are obviously going to be playing top-class football until the day they leave. Yeah, uh, River aren't going to have that now. They're going to yeah. have what nearly a month without without playing. So, given that the, the drop off in uh, in momentum, sorry, this is the point that I was uh, had in my mind, and then sort of I got sidetracked. And um, as much as I think when I was making it a couple of minutes ago, given the drop off in momentum since the Libertadores final, we saw it last year with San Lorenzo, we saw it this year with River. Uh, we've seen it many times in the past as well. I mean, it wasn't a surprise when it happened last year with San Lorenzo because we've seen it loads of times after a team wins the Libertadores. And then has to wait for the Club World Cup because they concentrate here so much more on the Club World Cup than they do in Europe. Mm-hmm. Do it? Would there be a case to be made for for moving the, the Libertadores final to November, so that the team who win the Libertadores then straight off to Japan for the club or wherever the Club World Cup is going to be played? Yeah, um, without any kind of major fall off. Also, in Rivers' case, you know, if that had happened this year, say. They might have been able to sort of talk to Everton and say, "Look, can we get Funes Mori's transfer? Do they put back my money?" Mm. In fact, they wouldn't have had to because the, the English transfer window wouldn't be open yeah. anyway. Um, and it, it would then enable that, the, the South American representative. You know, I'm, I'm not saying this should uh, FIFA impose it or whatever, but Conmebol, by doing it, might be helping out their own teams a bit more. And that's something that, that an association should do. Surely, the only problem you'd have there is the clash with the uh, Sudamericana. Libertadores and Sudamericana games going at the same time. I'd like, to, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see both competitions made year round and mm. exclusive. No, mm. exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it, it would have been fantastic for for River, obviously, if they'd yeah. been able to to win the Sudamericana followed by the Libertadores and then a Sudamericana again. You know, it's fantastic that that Commonwealth allow them to have a go at that, but it knackers them. And yeah. it doesn't really make very much sense in an odd The sponsors. It makes sense for the sponsors because yeah. if the Sudamericana was going on at the same time as uh, Libertadores and you couldn't be in both competitions, no one would watch it. Mm. You had three Libertadores games and three Sudamericana games on a Wednesday night. Uh, everyone watched the Libertadores games. And I guess when you put it like that, a lot of the time the, the clubs might be prefer as well who, who are able to qualify for both which obviously is not very many of them mm. who, who actually play in yeah they get you know, River I'm going to say no because they get more home matches that Completely. way particularly in a year like this where they've had fewer home matches in the league due to the mm-hmm. ridiculous restructuring of the Premier <laughs> um, anyway there we go we've been talking for 32 minutes so we're going to take a break we're going to refill a few glasses and when we come back uh, we're going to look forward to what quite regardless of the fact that it's an ultimate uh, utterly ludicrous um, way of sending teams into the copper competitions we're going to look forward to the playoff finals that are coming up which will all have been decided by the time we next record of course and most juicily of all to Independiente versus Racing and Racing versus Independiente so don't go away Sudamericana and Libertadores qualification playoff final things. Um, we've already told you when the first legs are going to be played, so let's whip through the Sudamericana ones first of all, get them out of the way very quickly. Um, I'm going to ask everybody for a couple of brief thoughts on the following Colón against Belgrano. Mm, yeah. As a guy, at the moment, Colón, you got to say, we've got a decent chance there. They've got the four, haven't they? Yeah. Especially after the way that Belgrano lost to Belgrano lost to yeah. uh, Independiente, didn't they? Um, they've been pretty poor in recent weeks. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a tough one. Okay. Olimpo against Estudiantes. I'm looking forward to that. Gotta say Estudiantes, right? But Olimpo in Bahia Blanca can make things interesting in the first leg. In Bahia Blanca, they can make it interesting. Yeah. And then maybe mix it up a bit for the second leg perhaps, perhaps. Um, but I would agree that Estudiantes are going to be yeah, overwhelming favourites um, the third one I think is the most interesting looking one which is Lanús against Gimnasia mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Guillermo Barasek last home match 
because he confirmed mm-hmm. today that he's stepping down from Lanús and Gustavos uh, finals and Gustavos as well. Yes, his his twin brother and assistant manager. Or are they um, going to just switch places? Like? And it's against him. <laughs> That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm stepping down. I'm going to assistant and <laughs> Gustavo's <laughs> going to be catch. He'll want to leave on a high note. Well, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, no, I'm looking forward to it. They're both sides yeah. who can, on their day at least, they can play some decent football. Yeah. And Lanús, I mean, the reason they're in the Cinemary kind of playoffs is that they didn't do as well as we were expecting at the start of the year. Mm. But towards the end, in the last sort of few weeks, they, they put together a few performances. Um, to finish strongly and obviously Himnasi had a very decent uh, campaign compared with what most people were expecting after losing oh, um, what's the goalkeeper's name who they uh, sold to Lanus who they sold to Lanus yeah. in January so uh, Monetti is, is either going to feel vindicated in moving clubs or a very silly boy having missed out on continental competition when he could have stayed with Himnasi and, and got there Indeed. by the end of this time um, and the final one is Aldo Sibi against Banfield which I think is surely going to be Banfield, no? Yeah. yeah, yeah. If, assuming that Alba Sibi don't have one of those matches in Mount El Plata in the first leg, um, because they have these funny, sort of hard to predict at home, where they generally they're quite hard to beat, so you'd go for a draw or a win, but or sometimes win. they win by a lot more than you expect. Or when they beat us 3 0 in No Moneda. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there five finals, or have I just lost count? No, no four no. finals. Because the other the other team who goes to the Sudamericana, the team who lose out of Racing and Independiente. But then there'll be five. How do they? Because there are five Argentine clubs. Well, there are six Argentine clubs in the Sudamericana next yeah. year. One of whom is the Supercopa. Um, ah, the, the, the losers of the Super. Sorry, the winners of the Supercopa Argentina. That was the one. Which will be played in January between Boca Juniors and San Lorenzo in a one match neutral. Um, that's right, isn't it? Yes, one. It's, it's a neutral game. Yeah. Yeah. Supercopa yeah. Argentina. Yes. Yeah, they're playing Tamarco Formosa. Yeah, So those are our in-depth previews of the Copa Sudamericana playoff uh, finals, and now the Copa Libertadores qualification is on a knife edge. Don't go to Avellaneda this week unless you're going to one of the matches, because there's a mm-hmm. chance that there won't be much of Avellaneda left uh, by the time we next record. Independiente host Racing on Sunday, and then Racing host Independiente the following Sunday. Damn. Are you looking forward to it? Are you nervous? Are you a bit of both? Yes. <laughs> everything. Everything, yes. No, it's going to be gonna be fantastic, I think. Um, I don't think that uh, the AFA could have could have hoped for a better game uh, to you go showcase so this, this Ligisha than Avashanea. Would, would, would you go so far as to say that I the AFA might in the Racing home match. You can't go the, the away? No. Would Not even as press? That's press possibly, but I don't think I want to. No? No, I'd shout and get beaten up. Right. <laughs> Would you go so far as to say that the AFA might, once they realised that it was a possibility, leaned on the referees to make sure? No, I didn't see the Independiente game, so I can't comment, but the um, Racing Estudiantes match uh, was completely fair. Even Racing were, were, unfairly, well were unfairly ruled against with a ridiculous sending off uh, Diego Melita, which was only the second of his entire career. The second I, in 500 games. I asked partly mischievously and partly to make the point that although we do talk about officiating corruption at times... Yeah. Uh, on no, it's usually more it's a netness. not always. No, it's exactly. incompetence more than, more than corruption, I think. And Independiente yeah. beat Belgrano very much fair and square. Mm. It was 4-1 <laughs> um, last Thursday night. No, uh, I made the point in... Very strong. Uh, writing for the, the Buenos Aires Herald. Am I allowed to talk about the Herald? Yeah, well? <laughs> <laughs> uh, My column for the Herald this week saying this... You know, it's a consolation prize for both of the teams who, you know, for being one of the big five, have the obligation to go out and uh, try for the title every year. Uh, it's a consolation prize, but it's a very nice consolation prize. Yeah. If you ask the fan, which you know, which is a bigger prize, you know, going into the Libertadores or you know, winning the derby and and taking over Avellaneda, you know, going into 2016. Uh, it's, it's hard to choose, you know. Obviously, they're going to get both, which is great, but both of them are, are very desirable. And it's a chance, particularly for Racing, to get some revenge because Independiente did the double over you during the regular season. Did, no, you, did they not? No. No, it was 1 0 in the Cilindro and 3 0. Oh, you're right. Sorry, yeah, you won one in each. the unfinished so, stadium. Right, yeah. No, I was, I, for some reason, I thought Independiente had won in, so in the Cilindro as well. <laughs> um, so no, it's not a chance to get revenge. 
but it is yeah it's gonna be a chance, a chance, a chance, chance to, to get revenge it's gonna be a chance to, to get revenge because the last game the last was, was pretty embarrassing yeah. I mean you know losing a, a derby is one thing but you know losing it in that form completely outplayed 3-0 down it's uh, it's not an, um, and how do you see it going in your heart of hearts Cocker's still in, in charge Cocker's still in charge yeah this, these are going to be his two, two final games so if now he wants to say you know uh, I'd rather lose the, the derby and fight for the title he, he he can. Can. Mm, possibly possibly would you say given that quote which for the benefit of new listeners is something that Diego Cocker said after uh, Racing lost the derby before before Racing yeah. lost the derby, sorry, you're right. Um, last year. Last year, and then Racing went on to win the title in that same championship. Mm-hmm. Would you say that given that he said that, it's sort of slightly ironic that Cocker's last matches end up being against Independiente? I think for Cocker, these two games, um, a real chance, uh, you know, establishes his kind of legacy in Racing and, and his memory. Because if you had to point to one kind of negative part of, of Cocker's Administration, it's it'll be that quote. The derbies. It's the quote and how it's and how um, Racing have done it in the derbies. You yeah. know, they won in in El Cilindro once, but there were also two pretty pretty painful defeats and you know uh, comprehensive defeats. And that's probably the one thing he could have improved. And so, if he can go out winning a winning a two legged a two leg tie against Independiente. It's Kind of just saying, look, wow, this coach was the man. Mm. If he loses, then it's it's gonna, you know, it's not going to take anything away from Cocker. He, he took Racing to to the title. He took them to the quarterfinals of the Libertadores when they hadn't played the Libertadores, I think, since two thousand and two or two thousand and three. Uh, he took Racing to fourth place this year. He took them to the semi-finals of the Copa Argentina. You know, the, the balance overall is, is very positive. But if he loses this game, it's, it's going to be a... It'll be a disappointing way for him to leave. Hmm. Definitely. So the, he's definitely going to want to win both games. Or at least, you know, a draw in the unfinished stadium and and a win in El Cilindro would, would be just fine for me. That's what I'm pinning my hopes on. Not even two draws. So no, as long as you go through with them, right? Yeah, but I'd rather I'd rather win. You'd like a win to set. I like a win, obviously. Still, yeah. away goals count. I believe so. Let's not go into it now, but yeah, let's say that they count. One thing I do know is that if this, the aggregate scores are level, then you go straight to penalties rather than extra time. Yeah, extra time because that's that always happens. But I, that's the one bit of the regulations that I can actually remember when we read it. Uh, a penalties week would be crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. <laughs> I hope that happens. Yeah. I mean, I don't like penalties as a way of deciding matches, but. Uh, for this one tie, I think they'll make yeah. an exception. You've got to love that. As just a think, neutral fan. Yeah. Neutral fan, no. To, oh, no. I mean, you know, as an event to, to be out for the tension, I don't mind them. I just don't think it's a very effective way of, uh, of deciding yeah. who goes through. I've got to say, whoever designed the calendar for these last three weeks, for Racing and, and Independiente fans as well, it's just a bastard. You had presidential <laughs> elections one week. Then a Racing Independiente game, and then another Racing Independiente game. Like, what are they trying to do to Avellaneda? Mm. It's it's a tough way to finish the year. Absolutely. But no, it's it's going to be a great spectacle. Hopefully, it's going to be better than the Estudiantes game because you know, although Racing won, and thanks to a brilliant performance from Marcos Acuna, who came out of a great goal, and also also laid on the second for Luciano Lolo. Uh, it was a pretty poor game. Like, lots of fouls. I think there was about. 35 fouls overall which you know you imagine which is one every three minutes mm. you can imagine what the rhythm of the game was like so hopefully you know obviously it's going to be a derby and no one's going to no one's going to be putting their foot out but hopefully it will flow a bit more and, and we'll but being too much is perhaps it's more open than mm. than if it's only one I, I think yeah, and Melito at least who's not going to be playing this Sunday he's already got one over on Independiente directly by beating his brother so his suspension is just one match I believe yeah. yeah which was it was really good actually. I don't know if you saw the the game against the Estudiantes more the build up because they were going through you know how the two teams greet each other they go like all down the line they shake hands and if they're friends they'll hug they'll give each other a kiss and Melito was going through and and he passed um, Aguero Pareira. Obviously, they know each other from Inter, but I think they only played a year, mm. a year or so together. And I was like, "Hey man, how you doing?" A big hug and all this. 
Then he goes over to the bench to his brother. He's like, oh, mate, you know, tiny little, tiny little peck on the cheek. Like, yeah, how you doing? Right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, no love lost between them. I don't think, especially at least in a sporting context. And I've never seen um, an interview of them together or anything. I, no, I don't know. Nobody really has a clue whether they're. Um, no, I mean they're brothers and that, sort, but. Yeah. You know, you see some brothers who do interviews together, it's all fine, like, no, but can you imagine Melito and Melito, for example, coaching together? <laughs> Not in Brazil or Independiente, at least. How do you mean together? You know, like with the Mishisas, oh, with yeah. one as a coach, as one as a, I don't think either of them would want to be assistant. <laughs> kick the shit out of each other. Well, yeah, it seems almost fiction, you know? Yeah. Two brothers that end up playing for the. It's almost something out of Shakespeare, rivals. right? Yeah. Very, very, very Shakespearean. So I like it. That's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a decent chance of... I don't know if anyone wants to talk about Independiente. No, what, 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 what the strikers say? would, would uh, line up for Independiente? For, in, uh, for Racing? No, no, what strikers would yeah. play for Independiente? Oh, Christ. Well, well, got Lera, Lera, and um, Benitez. And Albertengo. Yeah, Albertengo. Veda's looking good. Yeah. yeah. Vera was very sharp against Belgrano, he scored two of the goals. And Albertengo is obviously has had a pretty good season since moving from moving to a big five side for, yeah. for the first time from Atletico de Rafaela last year, yeah. which we all predicted actually at the start of the year. I think we all said he that Albertengo was going to be a good Just against Racing. Albertengo will come back. Oh, that, that, oh, that's a good point actually. I think. And now Jesus Benitez is I've forgotten he was injured, you're right. Yeah. Um, I think they interviewed him, well they definitely interviewed him, I remember this, before the uh, final. I think he might have said that he, he could be back for the second mm. leg, I'm not sure. The interesting thing is going to be how Racing line up without Melito. Because obviously Melito against Independiente is the first name on the team sheet. Mm. But without him... Independiente has been doing well without Albertengo, yeah. but also without uh, Mancuesha. Yeah. Here's and also for Racing one of the best games they played this year is was against Boca. Which was a game where they didn't have Melito or Pavoni. And they only played with one striker, which was well, right? Yeah, and they put you know it's a four-two-three-one with Acuna, Romero, and Noyed behind, and it worked really well. It's like you, know, was, you took a striker out, but you gave the match. team a lot more attacking thrust. So perhaps you know out of necessity, we'll we'll have a, a good display if they go for that. I'd rather see that than than Pavoni. What's Melito's situation then? Suspended. Suspended yeah. for the both. Red. No. One, we think. Right. I would like to give the microphone to Rob for a second because he's not said much during this episode, and I got the impression that he had something to say about Independiente when when Dan asked a minute ago. Oh no, it's just that I think um, Manquecho and obviously they got a couple injuries, um, so I'm interested to see how they cope with that. But I mean, if Acuna plays like he did against Estudiantes, then yeah. the Independiente right back should be a little bit worried. I think. Let's remember then the last Clasico, Acuna got himself sent off a. After about ten minutes, and in oh, the yeah. classic going yeah. in cylindro, he played really, really well. So, so it depends. He's, an, he's an unpredictable. <laughs> he's an unpredictable chap. I'm expecting a lot from Romero, little yeah. Romerito. Romerito. I think he's going to step up to the, to the plate this match. Yeah, apparently, according to my girlfriend, doesn't look Paraguayan. He looks Argentine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what does she say about Iturbe? Iturbe, I don't think she knows who he is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. But no, because I always make her watch Racing games at home, and that was a comment because I didn't go to the stadium against Estudiantes. It's like, ah, oh, who's that little guy? It's uh, Romero. Ah, where's he from? Oh, he's from Paraguay. Ah, oh, he doesn't look Paraguayan. He looks like he's from here. Ah, oh, uh, I, I thought she said, oh, but he's playing for Argentina because Racing is this. Nah, no, she knows exactly here. <laughs> One thing that I was going to say was that um, I think that we can. We almost definitely see some good football uh, in in the Clásicos. Mm. Players to watch because they're always, in Romero. The thing perhaps. is, it's a funny Clásico because there almost always is good football played in it in recent mm. years. It's just that it tends to only be one team doing it. <laughs> like in the last few years, it seems like either I mean, okay, Racing won one nil. Um, it was for three. But you know, it was exactly. Yeah, I mean, one team has, has tended to dominate the last I don't know, I guess five or six meetings mm. probably between these two competitors. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be an interesting tie, particularly if it carries on with you know one team dominating the first leg and then the other team dominating the second, and it could turn into a very tense one by the end of the match. Yeah, it could um, come down to goal difference. Yeah. So this first game's going to be big. If Racing lose, fine, but losing three 0 four 0 is going to going to knock them out. 
Absolutely. Uh, we're going to move on to questions. Uh, regular, well, semi-regular, and actually not really semi-regular, I was being very generous to him. Our very occasional contributor, Sebastián García, has tweeted in uh, asking why we don't, re- why Argentina don't replace Gerardo Martino with Ricardo Caruso Lombardi. Uh, no, 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 you read the tweet wrong. It was replacing Martino with him and Caruso Lombardi being his assistant. Oh, sorry. Oh, right. Why don't you replace Martino yeah. with Sebastian? He's nominating yeah, right. himself. <laughs> yes, he's putting himself forward. Uh, I think that as much as anything else, that was an excuse for him to switch yeah. uh, the photograph of him with Caruso Lombardi <laughs> in the in the de otra categoría studio. And I said on twi- Twitter, and I said, "Now, Seba, with that beard, you're not going anywhere." Yeah, <laughs> have a shave, mate. Have a shave. Uh, Phil asks, uh, Jorge Almiron is being heavily linked with the Lanús job, but is he the right man to replace Guillermo? Yeah, I don't think he'll do a bad job. He, he was a little unlucky in, in the Peñende. I think circumstances kind of got the better the better of him. He had a lot of pressure after Moshana um, went out and spent 90 million pesos on new players in January. And, mm. you know, results didn't really follow. The team took time to gel. He kind of responded to that by playing a lot more defensive, pushing players back, and it, it and didn't also, really come off. But he's not a bad coach in Bode Cruz. Exactly, he, and also he if, if, well. he gets, if he gets a chance at the club where the batter aren't running the show to the extent that they are in Independiente at times as well, uh, yeah. the pressure might just be... I think um, it, might, it might sound unfair, and I don't want to sound unfair speaking from slight ignorance, because I didn't follow Independiente that closely with Almiron, but I just got a sense of mediocrity from him. Like he didn't, he wasn't up for the job. Maybe a smaller club like Lanús, he'll feel a little yeah. more liberty to do more, uh, to do more. But it's a rub of the green as well. I mean, you look at someone like Coca, who'd been in Defensa Justicia before going to Racing. He had a fairly mediocre start as well, and he was nearly out the door. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it clicked, and and he won nine games in a row, and he finished champion. Yeah. Uh, Almiron in, in that first season he you know he came in at the same time as Coca and it was kind of the opposite Independiente had a very good start and I think they finished fourth overall which third and fourth yeah yeah considering they come up from from Nabem was a very good debut season as I say I think afterwards you could see that perhaps the team wasn't put together with with his <laughs> consent and and with his say so I think it kind of went above his head and that affected Independiente in the first half of the season. They finished fourth. Yeah. Yeah, fourth in the B and then fourth in... I have a question, actually, um, with regard to Independiente. (laughs) You have to get it in somehow. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With regard to Independiente with Milito, do we see... If I can't make cheap shots at Independiente in Classico week or two weeks, when can I do it? And I want to rule out Dan from my question, uh, from answering. Do we see them as contenders for next season? I'd say yes I if I'm allowed to talk. Okay. I'd say, no, I'm I'm going to be fair. I'm, you yeah, know, I, I can make jokes about their past and their stadium, but it's a very good team. I mean, and they're going to find uh, form of their second half of the season. There, they were title contenders. Yeah, and they're going to find it a lot easier to keep that team together. Partly because, say, mm-hmm. Manquesho has, has been injured for such a long time. Yeah, he's no longer. And a few of the others have kind of flown under the radar, and because of Manquesho's mm-hmm. injury, have come in slightly later in the campaign. Yeah. I think they're going to find it much easier to keep hold of, of that team than, say, River are to keep yeah. their team together. If I was a mid-table Spanish team I'd, or Italian team, I'd seriously be looking at Benitez. Mm-hmm. Seriously. He's been probably the one of the best players, you know, aside from Tevez in the second half of the season. Yeah. Really, really good. So, yeah, there's no reason why they can't fight for the title. Obviously, that's not what I want. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good team they've got. Uh, Luis Bessone asks whether I should be running for mayor of Buenos Aires given how many people I've managed to get here for this recording uh, he also then slightly more seriously asks whether uh, he says I didn't like the concept of public money being used for football para todos but as a yank with only te say international it was useful mm-hmm. um, because obviously the matches are, are screened live on YouTube if you're listening and you didn't know this already then uh, You've not been paying enough attention, but anyway. Um, He says, given that Mauricio Macri has just won the election, uh, the national presidential election in the runoff, uh, what is the future of football para todos? I can answer that. Um, I was watching Intratables, which is this uh, political debate show, which is quite chaotic. Debate. But sometimes you get, (laughs) sometimes you get, you know, a little juice out of it. Um, Hernán Lombardi, who is the the new um, secretary of the media, or whatever the, the title is actually called, he said that it's an acquired right 
for Argentines. Mm. So it's going to remain in place. But I think we mentioned it here in one of my uh, two other, uh, you know, uh, participations that uh, they're going to try to get more uh, private sponsorship. Yeah. That so it doesn't lose that yeah, that's, money. Yeah, that was a given with yeah. whatever person. Right? Yeah. But my question is, um, when is the contract with the Afro up? I think, it, I think it's 2018, but I'm not sure. 2018. That's going to be the... The big one. Because yeah, I don't think I don't world. think they're going to break the contract. I don't think mm-hmm. that's that's a possibility. But in 2018, when it comes to renewing it, that's when we're going to see. I think. Mm. And it has to do not only with uh, with Macri but also with Tinelli. Both, yeah. I think, think uh, about the income of private private publicity instead yeah. of mm. only the, the 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 government or yeah, not just. Of private publicity but the money you know coming from the broadcasters themselves I mean you look at BT in in England who have put in a billion pounds of in football you know so money obviously no one's going to come in and put a billion pounds into into Argentine football but it's you know it's something they'd have in the back of their minds I think uh, ask again in 2018 and and we'll have a better idea for now I can't see them breaking the contract no, it would be too. I mean, Macri's going to have to. It'd be do, suicide. Political yeah, suicide. He's, he's going to have to do a lot of uh, things that are going to be very politically unpopular. Um, some of them he's going to choose to do, and some of them he's going to have to do because of the situation that he's inheriting. But uh, I think that football paradox is is one thing that would be um, perhaps not be too unpopular, but also there wouldn't be enough benefit in in, in scrapping it as well as the fact no, that no. it would be enormously. It's crumbs, um, and, you know, out of the whole the entire government budget. It's, Exactly. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's way too much money for them to be spending yeah. but at the same time compared with other things that are overspending yeah. it's, it's not um, Luis also asked could the Hand of Pod panel opine on which AFA candidate would be best for the needed restructuring of Argentine football a la Germany decades ago I don't think we can because we don't really know anything about what either of them want no we They've can been say going on a, you know, Tinelli particularly has been very big on presenting these documents to AFA but nobody in the public knows what what's contained in the documents I don't think do no we? we can say that if we take this question in the terms uh, that Luis has framed it uh, about change and restructuring, there's only one candidate under which that'll be possible. <laughs> yeah, Segura is not going to go. Yeah, so, so by default, the only one who's going to change anything is Dinelli. Hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean it's it's a good change. Uh, I think we don't I think really it, know what's going to come. I think it, with uh, with Dinelli, the situation is going to improve. I don't trust him <laughs> at all. But I think he's been successful in his private endeavors, and I think he could structure and organize AFA to a more efficient level, you know, to modernize it. Yeah, more. I, I'm kind of agreeing, really, with Fran. I mean, we've talked before about what a basically quite dislikable person Tinelli is, but um, he's, been, he's been a success at what he yeah. does. Um, and, yeah... And, and particularly, you know, he's had some success in, in football as well. I mean, since he took over, when, when he took over San Lorenzo, when Laments became president and Tinelli was vice president, mm-hmm. the power behind the throne, they'd just come out of a massive relegation scrap. And what, two and a half years later, they won the Copa Libertadores for the first <laughs> time in their history. So he, he's got something. Um, yeah, but you could say the same about Donofrio, but does that qualify him to, to run the AFA? What qualifies someone to run the AFA? No, <laughs> you know, there's so many. Yeah, I've got yeah. so many more questions than answers about this whole yeah. AFA thing. But who do you side with? Who, like instinctively, who do you prefer? Instinctively, Tenelli. Yeah, but I think we all agree on that, no? Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, things only can get better. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's for sure. And so uh, anyone. No, I think can they can say the same very easily. <laughs> this is the thing, but. What I, what I hope eventually happens, not only in AFA and FI- in FIFA as well, is you know a bit more democracy, having uh, limited terms and not lifetime terms. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tom Robinson asks: Are River in danger of embarrassing themselves at the Club World Cup? Very short answer: Yes, as it stands. Yes. They might. They might not. They might. They yeah. might get, get the shit together. But um, yes, is the short answer. Andres, oh, that's you replying to Seba's tweet from earlier. Um, <laughs> yeah, the next one is also, and um, is Gustavo replying to Seba's tweet from earlier. And then Roberto Rojas asks, how can this River Plate side try to at least attempt to beat Barcelona if they play them in the final of the Club World Cup? I'm going to refer that question on to our next podcast in a couple of weeks' time, if you don't mind, Roberto, because we will actually be previewing the Club World Cup in that one. 
Um, it's still a little bit too far away at the moment, and I've got a holiday in the meantime, which I want to... I've not, I've not been thinking about the Club World Cup at all yet. <laughs> Partly because it just depresses me that River is so focused on it, and it irritates <laughs> me. But anyway, I think that's it. No more questions? It's not quite it, actually. I've got a question. I've got a question for Rob. Um, uh, as, a, as a guest, you've been here for... Four months, five months? About three months, I think. Three and a half months. And you've been doing a very good job um, running the, as an intern at, at the bubble, running the, the sports desk, basically. You've been in the sports desk for that time because they didn't have any before. Um, how have you found the level of football played in Argentina compared to the level of football that you're used to, uh, particularly from your club? Perhaps not from your club because your club yeah, is Arsenal. I mean, so. That's I mean, a bit unfair to compare Arsenal to anyone in terms of standard you, of football. I don't know whether you go to see Bath City play when you're at university or anything, but you know, <laughs> generally speaking, how have you found the level in Argentina well, compared um, with what you were expecting before you came? Um, I've been to Exeter, Torquay on a cold winter's night and it, that was comfortably worse than anything anything, <laughs> anything I've seen here. Um, I mean, the two, I've been to two games. I went to... Oh, what game did we go to? We went to, we went to I, Argentinos I, against Olimpo. No, it wasn't Olimpo. It was wasn't it? Tigre. Oh, it was the other game yeah. that I went to see. And yeah. I went to Estudiantes against Kilmes, mm. um, and both games were actually pretty pretty good games. The like the standard was not too bad. Both teams, well, all the teams played fairly decent football. Um, so yeah, it was a lot better than I was expecting, to be honest. Especially the Argentinos game. And at Estudiantes, of course, you met Mr. Veron. Yeah, bumped mm. into Veron. Nice was, chap. He was okay. He was alright. Like he, he wasn't the most outgoing. Oh, what was that? I met someone else as well, and I can't remember his name. The one that you said played for Sunderland, but I'm not sure that he actually did. Oh, Ale Alashes. Agustin Alashes. That's the one. Yeah, he was very friendly and actually had, like, had a nice chat with him. He was on. He was the one who was on Sunderland's books and did the um, hilarious underwear the, the, modelling uh, video, wasn't he? No, that's Anquilere. Anquilere. Right. Yeah. See, yeah. Marcus so Alashes played for somebody else entirely, and I was—I I always get them mixed up. Yeah, no, Alashes has never played outside uh, South America, so I apologise for lying to you, Rob. No, it's okay. He's played for all no. Argentine clubs except it was for one Marcos year and Chilere or Angelid. Yeah, however you want to pronounce it. That makes much more sense. Um, no, you're not going to chuck out any predictions for the final, Sam? Since no. we're not coming back? No, no, uh, Mystic Sam's off this week. Ah, oh, right. <laughs> he's already on holiday. He's gone, a, he's gone on holiday before. Taking an early break. Go on, then. I'll give it a go. The, the, the thing is, they're two-legged. So yeah, you, know. you have a, 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 an average of the, a percentage of, of matches that Mystic Sam has. Uh, Andres, <laughs> there have been 450 regular season matches this week, this year. I've not paid attention to all of them. Okay, no. it's just a... And I, unfortunately, I couldn't be asked either to do the um, the thing that I have done a couple of times before, both with with Dan's predictions and with mine, of what the league table would have looked but like. I, I think a twenty percent. Are you a lot keener so. to do it when it was Dan? Oh I, no, I did, it, I did it a couple of times as well. <laughs> I just couldn't be bothered doing it with this fifteen team, uh, fifteen match every weekend business. It was um, it got a bit tiresome. That's why I think twenty percent is okay. Okay, well I've definitely got more than that because I certainly yeah. averaged more than uh, what the twenty percent of. Fifteen with three out of fifteen. Um, yes, yeah, that is twenty percent, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no, I've, I've, I've comfortably averaged more than that, but I'm not sure what I have averaged. I would guess around forty percent, probably. Um, so, okay, here we go then. Predictions for the the teams who are going to be in. I'm not predicting matches, but I'm predicting the the victors of the ties. I will go for Belgrano to edge Colón in a pretty tight tie I think Estudiantes I think are going to to see off Olimpo um, Lanús Gimnasia let's go for Lanús um, to, to take that one um, Banfield to beat Aldo Sibi and in the really big fun one I'm mostly going for um, I, I predict that it's going to be a good laugh for all of the neutrals um, <laughs> but let's go for because Dan's here let's go for Racing to, to make it into the Libertadores for the second year running Thanks. it's also going to be the second year running of course that there are four of the big five in the Libertadores so yeah. you know when we started the big five were in a little bit of a slump but obviously while we've been recording yeah, was Ripper, a year there was they've been down there wasn't a single one there were several 2010, years, 2011 yeah. there wasn't a single at least, big at five least one of those years has been while we've been recording Hunt yeah. the Pod um, so for the big five to now be very very strong indeed mm-hmm. um, is a yeah, it would have been 2010, I believe. Yes. Anyway, 
There we go. Thank you very much for joining us, gents. Thank you to listening uh, to us, listeners. Thank you to the Argentina Independent for providing the alcohol. The Argentina Independent are a fine source of English language news, current affairs, photographic essays, cultural bits and pieces, and loads of other stuff. And you should read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com or follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indy. That's Argentina I-N-D-Y. We thank them very much for their support. We will see you again in... Or you'll hear us again, more accurately, um, in just under two weeks' time when I'm back from holiday. And as I say, we'll preview River Plate's um, Club World Cup tilt and also look back on who has won the uh, various playoffs and whatnot. So please join us again then. And for now, it is goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. And from Fran. See you on the other side. Follow us on Twitter. And from English Town. Farewell. And... Thank you very much for joining us and goodbye from special guest Rob. Well, thanks very much for having me. Cheers. And goodbye from me. Goodbye.